Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Cougar Nation, welcome in to another edition of Cougar Sports Saturday. We have a loaded show for you guys. Some basketball, BYU played Santa Clara. We'll touch on that. And a lot of football news. We've been talking about it all year, Mitch, but long gone are the days where there's an offseason in college football. It just seems like week after week, there's BYU football roster changes. We'll touch on those. You had a great interview with Gideon George. We'll have Kyle Ireland on, so... Just buckle up for three hours of great BYU sports talk. It's going to be a lot of fun, and it, we always hold it down here on Cougar Sports Saturday, talking all things BYU. You can follow us on social media, at KSL Sports on Twitter, Instagram, uh, CSSBYU on Instagram as well, by Amante Matt, Mitch underscore Harper on Twitter. Uh, a lot of different and ways. And get on that us. Instagram, because you, yes. my friend, are going to Disneyland after the show. Yes. So I want I want all that content <laughs> from the most magical place on earth. It will be coming in droves. A lot of churros will be devoured. <laughs> uh, hopefully, if you're listening, Brett Yormark, do not release that Big 12 schedule while I'm in Disney. <laughs> but if you do, I will break it down while sitting on the Dumbo ride. Let's start things off with some BYU football talk in the leadoff. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. BYU football roster news to get to. Like Matt alluded to, it's college football is going 365. There's always news churning in the cycle, and BYU football is no exception to that role. Blake Freeland, offensive tackle, he made it official this week. 
He is off to the NFL. No surprise there. He had agreed to a senior bowl invite about a month ago, so we knew it was heading this way. But on the good side, so Blake Freeland, an all-timer, he's out the door. But BYU gets Utah's starting center Paul Miley to join the program. He's now officially signed, and he will be a grad transfer to the Cougars. BYU also added Weber State cornerback, 36 career starts under his belt, Eddie Hecker. But let's start with the offensive lineman moves, Matt. Freeland's gone. What's his maybe status or legacy in your view at BYU and then, and then the addition of Miley? Honestly, I think of Blake Freeland like I do John Tate. I think of Blake Freeland as one of the great offensive tackles that BYU's had. And what I really love about Freeland's story, I mean, we know the background, played quarterback, basketball, kind of grew into the offensive line. But what we don't talk about enough is that he followed up Brady Christensen, who came out of nowhere and became one of BYU's great offensive tackles that they've ever had. It's not easy to follow someone who gets taken in the third round of the NFL draft and is talked about as being one of the best players at his position in college football. And then you follow him and do the same exact thing. That is pretty remarkable. Blake Freeland is outstanding, and I do believe this, Mitch. He will be taken higher than Brady Christensen in the NFL draft. Well said. You know, I think back, Freeland's exit from BYU off to the NFL got me thinking about your interview a one-on-one you had with him, I think, in the spring of 2021 after Christensen left. He was a big storyline because he was switching from right to left. And even Freeland himself was like, yeah, it's a little bit tough switching from the right side to the left side. And we're thinking, ooh, this could be, uh, you know, there could be some ups and downs. But then you look back at his four years, and he only gives up two sacks. He was outstanding, uh, excellent offensive lineman. He comes into BYU. He's about 250 pounds. Just he was a thin dude, six foot seven, and put on the weight. Was committed in the weight room and just an absolute force, kind of a natural. I mean, his first start in 2019 was against Boise State. That excellent defensive end. I forget his name. Was it Weaver? I can't remember. But yes, yes, Weaver. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Freeland held his own. I mean, he he gave up a little bit to him, but. BYU won that game, and you're thinking, man, this guy is going to be outstanding. So uh, kudos to him. I, I think people, the, the NFL draft world, sometimes I don't understand that world. I'll just full disclosure. Like, I look at a guy like Freeland and say, that's a second-round guy. And then I'm seeing these oh, mock Oh, first drafts. round, Mitch. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think so. I always kind of err on a little bit of caution because I, I just think there will always be some BYU knock. Maybe that's just PTSD from the days of sitting back and seeing Luke Staley Go fifth round, sixth round. Oh, my gosh, we're in the seventh round. It's Luke Staley. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that that's uh, – I, I think he, he could absolutely be a first-round guy. I see some of these mock drafts, and I'm thinking fourth round, third round. Like, what am I missing here? But uh, Freeland was an all-timer at BYU, and it's great to see, Matt, that the offensive line is becoming a factory again to get guys to the league yeah. because there was a gap from 2005 to 2021 where there was no one getting picked. So it's great to see this happening on an annual basis right now for BYU. Yeah, that's such a great point. And, and Freeland, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. And look, this isn't the end-all be-all, but I do put some stock in it. Uh, second highest uh, graded offensive tackle behind the yes. guy uh, in Northwestern. So – that, I think, speaks volumes to what the talent is. And the reason I think there's some first-round potential, Mitch, is 
because he played at BYU and they played the independent schedule, blah, 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 he's going to get docked for that because he wasn't play, played at the power level. I think it's a joke, but that's just the way that it is. I think where he's going to make up the ground, though, is at BYU's Pro Day, and if he gets invited to the Combine, I, I just feel like the measurables on this dude are freaky. You know the NFL guy, just think of this now. You're watching the NFL Network. Here's a guy who, in high school, was dunking a ball and bringing the ball up the court as a quasi-guard. He was a quarterback, and now he's 326 foot. Like, that's gonna that plays well in the NFL. It always does. He's going to rise up during the workouts. I think he'll be one of the top three tackles taken in the draft. I, I love that. I mean, you're right, though. Whenever you watch the NFL draft, you turn over to the desk and they go, uh, Mel, what do you see? Blake Freeland of BYU. He goes in the first round. Oh, you look at Blake Freeland. Six, Todd, Todd, Todd. six foot eight, 305 pounds. Got a basketball background. He's got a 38-inch vertical leap. He could be a plug-and-play guy. He's got a he's got a real good upside. Comes from a football family, athletic track and field sister. They got a lot of intangibles in that Freeland family. And now he comes into to Cincinnati. He could be a bookend left tackle for Joe Burrow. And you put him there, and they could go to a Super Bowl. And then you just go, what? What did it just happen here? Like we didn't talk anything about football. Uh, but but that's the great thing about the NFL draft. If you look at Blake Freeland, he's body beautiful on a football field. He's got long arms. Yep. He looks like an offensive lineman. Yeah, this guy's gonna impress. The Senior Bowl coming up at the end of the month or in February is gonna be huge for him. And I just yes. think that Freeland is an excellent football player. He's gonna be really good. He's gonna be sorely missed for BYU. He leaves a massive hole at that left tackle spot. We assume Kingsley Suamata'ia probably goes from right tackle to left, like Blake did, replacing Brady Christensen. I, I would assume that's the move for BYU. So now you fill out the rest of the offensive line. Connor Pate comes back. He's going to anchor that center, I assume. Or is it Paul Miley who comes in from Utah, starting center for the Utes, Pac-12 champion. He started 12 games for Utah. What do you make of the addition of Paul Miley? Paul Miley is a slam dunk. He might be one of the most important transfer portal gets that BYU's had because there was a clear need with Blake going to the league and the Barrington brothers going to Baylor. You needed proven commodities. And I think they've gotten a few of those on the offensive line, but Paul Miley is easily the best of them. I don't think he should play center, though. Uh, Maybe I'm jaded here, but I thought Connor Pay was – very good, borderline great as a center last year. It never made sense to me why he got benched momentarily for Joe Tukawafu. I did not get that. I did not think his play ever dipped to that point where he didn't deserve to be the starting center. And he responded the right way from that benching and played his best football after that point. I just, Connor Pay is a center. He's a good center. And Paul Miley has proven throughout his Utah career that he can play every position on the line. You got a need at guard because Clark Barrington's gone. You plug him in the Clark spot. You go Kingsley, Clark, Connor Pay. Your left side is legit. I that's what I think they should do. I'm with you. I'm, I'm putting out just a little bit of a tease. I'm putting out my way too early depth chart for the offensive side on Sunday, and then Monday will be the defensive side. So while I'm slamming churros in Disneyland. The drafts are going to be published on kslsports.com. But here's my way-too-early offensive line for BYU. Left, you're right. Let's hear it. Uh, left tackle, Kingsley Suamata'ia. 
Left guard, I'm with you. You go with Miley at the left guard spot. Center, Connor Pay, you keep him there because you look at some of the pro football focus metrics, third highest graded center in terms of pass blocking last year. He was really good. One of the best overall offensive linemen in college football. Again, confusing why they messed with him at all last season. Right guard, you go Waylon Lapuaho. Uh, at right guard with the Utah State transfer who started all 13 games a season ago as a freshman for Utah State. I think he's a plug-and-play guy. Right tackle is where it gets interesting to me. I go Braden Keim because there's a history there with Daryl Funk. He started some games in 2021. Maybe you go Ian Fitzgerald at Missouri State, but he's kind of light in terms of weight. Comes in, comes in around 275. I think he needs to you know, pack another 20 pounds, but productive at the FCS level. I'd go Keim at right tackle. I like that group. I think the right side is unproven, but there's talent there. Braden Kimes, the guy who we've heard about for years as yep. being another freaky athletic dude that could be an NFL guy. And I think the right side is the right place to try that experiment. So I, I, I love that uh, projection from you. I totally agree with you. And, but getting Miley was key because it's like, yeah, Kingsley has all the talent in the world and he had some great flashes last year. It makes sense to move into left tackle, but you needed another really proven guy to just help anchor that group, and that's what you have with Miley. Well, and Miley, too, is a guy that could play all five spots. I mean, he if needed, he could go to that right tackle position. He started there at Utah in 2018. He comes as a, as a grad transfer, but he's got experience at tackle, guard, and center. So he could play any of the five spots for BYU if, if they see fit. So uh, very versatile. It was a big addition, and don't let – your Ute fan friends tell you, oh, he was going to get bumped. He didn't, he didn't want to play. Or he, was, he wasn't playing. This is the Utes, the two-time champion. We don't play the Cougars. Like, you know, like trust me, Paul Miley was a very good football player for Utah. There was some times in the Rose Bowl game, you go watch that one, some high snaps. It's fair. It's a fair criticism, and I think that's why you stay with Connor Pay. But in terms of experience, at the Power 5 level, championship experience, that does matter as BYU pursues the Big 12 championship. I think Miley is a home run addition for BYU. Yeah. We got to take our first break here on Cougar. The other side, uh, a guy that BYU fans knew, he's found a new home elsewhere. And I'll give you a, a little a tease. Does this sound familiar, Mitch? Good old Rocket Top. But BYU brought in his replacement. We'll break that down on the other side. Welcome back in Cougar Nation to Cougar Sports Saturday. Hope all of you are having a great weekend thus far. BYU football is active in the transfer portal. It is closed, I should say. The transfer portal window, the first of its kind, went from December 5th to January 18th. So if any players right now are listening to this show for some reason and they want to get into that portal after hearing the scathing analysis from Matt and I about BYU football... (laughs) Uh, they they will have to stay until May. Uh, the transfer portal is is closed. But anyone that's in the portals already, uh, they can still pursue other options and, and look for a new school. One of those guys that pursued a new school is Eddie Heckard, cornerback from Weber State. And you're thinking, Weber State, cornerback? Why should we be excited about this guy? I'm telling you, folks, this is a big-time addition for BYU. He is officially enrolled at BYU. He signed earlier this week on Thursday, and he comes to BYU 36 career starts. He was an AP second team All-American at the FCS level this past year, and he was coached by Jay Hill, 
And I don't think Jay Hill would stick his neck out of the line at a new job where there's a lot of money on his on his name for a, for a guy from Weber State if he wasn't a good one. And Eddie Heckard, definitely a good one. Big get for BYU to add to that cornerback position. That's a great point, Mitch. Uh, you don't bring him in just because you coached him before, especially at the Power 5 level. You don't. You only bring them in if you believe that this guy can prove himself because – he had flirtations with the NFL, and this could be an opportunity if he plays like he did at Weber State on a bigger stage that he does become uh, an NFL draft pick. And if you believe he has that kind of talent, you bring him in. There was a big need at this position, unfortunately, with Gabe Judy Lally leaving. He was one of BYU's uh, highest-graded defensive players from last season. He's off to Tennessee. He follows Keenan Peely. You needed to bring in a number one defensive back, and I think you did that with uh, Eddie Beckert. And then here's the other thing I like, Mitch. And we talked about this last week. This is a sustainable model in the transfer portal, finding guys at lower-level schools that have great talent and need a bigger stage to parlay them into a pro career. They need to make this a habit. Because this is what BYU can do. It's always going to be hard for BYU to compete with a guy leaving Florida. It's going to be hard. But you can get guys from Utah State, from Weber State, from Missouri State that have the requisite talent and measurables. I love it. I love it. It's a great addition. And he's a you know plug and play. I mean, he's going to be BYU's number one defensive back. No question. I mean, he steps in. He's a starting DB, and before he even takes a practice at BYU, I mean, barring injury, you know, I think that cornerback position's a little bit light in terms of depth. I don't think there's going to be proclamations of this being the best cornerback room in a quarter century, and I'm, I'll just say it, General Guilford, if you are listening, hey, you can continue to believe that. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't want a coach to ever shy away from bold expectations. Like, by no means am I knocking that. But they didn't live up to it last year. The whole defense did not live up to it. Uh, but Heckard comes in. I think he's, I think right now, Matt, him and Jacob Robinson are probably the way too early starters, in my opinion. Maybe you make a case for a Jaden Dunlap who comes in from Cerritos College. I know coaches are very high on him. He's going to be a lockdown, kind of that dog mentality. You'll hear that from General Guilford. Dunlap's going to be good, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on him. Maury Bamba's interesting, too. He came in from the J.C. ranks as well, redshirted this past year, or kind of sat out, didn't see much time. Uh, but, again, kind of light. As far as proven commodities, Heckard was critical for BYU. I wouldn't be surprised if we see in May – after spring ball or April, they maybe add a few more guys again because I think you need to bolster this group as much as possible to uh, be able to be as aggressive as you want to be in that secondary. Yeah, there's depth is key. And even last year, think about last year's where, you know, that proclamation that Gennaro Guilford made that you just yeah. referenced, that did not come to pass, obviously. But we thought that group was so deep. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the year, you're like, man, where's the depth? <laughs> like, it just just wasn't is quite there and that that just seems to be part of the course of that position like you can't have enough defensive backs because you don't know about injury you don't know about performance and you need options which is something uh BYU it, they've done a much better job under Kalani Satake in that category just having options that's something you just always want to have in life you never want to be pigeonholed into one thing you want options so yeah I, I'm with you I, I would not be surprised if they go out and grab some a few more dudes but the important thing is 
is there a guy who has experience yeah. that has talent that can maybe anchor that position? That's what they got in the transfer from Weber State, Eddie Heckard. And best of luck to Gabe Judy Lally. I th- always thought he was one of the uh, awesome interviews in the BYU. He was a cool dude. He was a cool guy, cool story. It's kind of strange to think that there's two BYU guys at Tennessee. Uh, it, it's just you haven't had a BYU guy transfer to an SEC program since like the 90s. I want to say it was a backup quarterback, early 90s. He went to LSU. Drawn a blank on his name, but it's been a long time, and now BYU in one cycle has two guys going to go Big Orange or the Big Orange, and uh, and that was a good football team that played in the Orange Bowl. They're going to be a preseason top twenty-five team next year. We got to take a timeout though. On the other side, we will get to BYU basketball as they played Santa Clara on Thursday night. We'll hit on that and get you ready for BYU versus San Francisco right here on KSL News Radio. In KSL News Radio, BYU basketball on the road, getting ready for another game here on Saturday. And I'm joined now by BYU forward Gideon George. And Gideon, this has been an eventful year for you in a lot of different ways. It's your senior season, so that in and of itself makes it a memorable one. And then had a, another great shoe drive, and then you've gotten married too. It's it's been a it's jam packed year for you. It's been really fun, you know, and it's been a lot of stress, you know. And, uh, yeah, I get married to the most beautiful gay in the whole world. So, <laughs> and um, the shoe drive was amazing. Cougar uh, Nation, they turned out really well. We got 8,000 pairs of shoes, so we're changing 8,000 uh, live in Mina, Nigeria. So that's really awesome, and basketball is going great, you know, and I'm just loving the process. I saw with the the shoes. You mentioned eight thousand pairs of shoes, which was a, a great turnout. I know the goal was ten, but still eight thousand. That's outstanding. I saw that. I believe the truckloads in like Baltimore, and uh, it's on its way. So, what's like the process with those shoes? Do you, can if you can share with our listeners about uh, where those eight thousand pairs will end up and how it'll be distributed and, and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, the first trip is. Uh as you say, Baltimore is going to uh, Washington. Um, from Washington, they're shipping it out to uh, Lagos, Nigeria. So when it gets to Lagos, uh, it's going to be by the port. So it, I don't know how long it's going to take to get to Nigeria. But when it gets to Lagos, Nigeria, so we send a driver from Mina to Lagos. He get a bus like 15 hours to go pick up the shoes and bus back 15 hours to Mina to go um then we got people stand by in Nigeria that would distribute the shoes to kids in Nigeria. Do you have any plans to get out there to, to Nigeria after the basketball season? Yeah, I'm working on that, and hopefully it worked out all good. I would love to go back. I miss my friends, my family yeah. in Nigeria. It's been a lot of fun seeing those uh, shoe drives here, here during your time at BYU. Talk with Gideon George here on, on KSL News Radio. You mentioned that uh, at times this season has been, you know, a little bit maybe stressful. If, if uh, what's been maybe some of the most challenging or, or difficult parts of this season, but also the most rewarding too. Um, you know, we got a young group of guys. You know, uh, we got a lot of freshmen coming in this year, and they've been so awesome. And um, just you know, 
during the summer till now, you know, guys just learning the system. We got a few guys that transferred into, you know, it's really hard to learn a system. So, and I'm super proud of the guys who are doing that, like keeping up with the pace and like knowing what the coaches preaches every day out here. And some games, you know, um, we don't want to lose, but the outcome, we cannot change that, but we can control what we can control, like playing hard and rebounding, like doing the little things that matter, diving on the floor. So I'm super proud of this group, especially Richie Sanders with the energy he brings to the team, the way he, he plays so hard on both ends of the floor. So I'm really proud of you guys for that. Have you been proud of maybe your decision to withdraw from the NBA process and the transfer portal to come back to BYU for one more year. Have you been happy with that move? Yeah. Um, sometimes I reflect on that. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm really grateful that I came back, especially like with the relationship I have with Coach Pope. He's awesome. I've learned a lot from Coach Pope. And um, when it's all said and done, I think he's going to be one of, the best coach I've ever played under, and um, so I'm really grateful for everything he did for me. And he really understand not only basketball; he understand life too. So, and he's been in the NBA before, and so he's been around too. So he really understand. And also, I got great people all around me, like my brother helping me out with my decision. So. He really fought like a lot of times going back and forth, but I'm grateful I came back here. What is it about Coach Pope that makes him, uh, you know, uh, the guys that play for him are just very loyal to him and they, they speak glowingly about what Coach Pope means to them. For someone that's been now with him for three seasons, uh, what is it just uh, about him that uh, really kind of gets teams bought in and guys to, to believe in his system? Coach Pope is just unique, you know. Um, he He's just the guy that will tell you to stop and he's going to do it. And he ain't going to, like, beat around the bush or, like, so even when he recruited me for my JUCO, he told me certain things and he still keep to that. So, and... Like him recruiting a do uh, like somebody outside his he, uh, his coaching staff is going to go all out to recruit that person and they'll show you tons of love. That's the way they are, and so like from onset, like seeing Coach Pope the way he recruited me so hard coming to Hobbs in Mexico where there's like nothing. He came out there to come see me play, so I'm like, who is this coach? And so. They invest in you, so and what he does apart from basketball too, like the way he will mentor you to be a leader. And I'm really grateful for being under Coach Pope. I think this is one of the best decisions of my life to come back and play for Coach Pope here at BYU. Gideon George is my guest here on on KSL News Radio. It's a BYU basketball game day, and 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 on the court, Gideon, you're having a season where you've got career highs and points, rebounds, uh, I believe, steals, assists. Uh, so statistically, it, it's uh, been a very productive year for you. How do you feel and maybe assess how you've played thus far on the court, and what are you trying to uh, get done both individually and for the team down the final stretch here? Uh, uh, it's not all about me, though. It's about the team. Like Coach Paul preaches every day, how are you going to lose yourself in this team? This game is going to reward you when you lose yourself in this team. So I would say... Like I want 
the best for everyone on this team, not only myself, everyone. That's why we come here and fight every day with the guys like playing, seeing my brothers playing hard on the court. So that's um, so it's not all about me. I really care about this team, like our outcome. Obviously, we want to make it to the big dance and make it to the tournament. That's the goal of this team. So in order for us to get our individual expectations, so this team will have to put this team forward. So when this team make it far, that's how our expectation will go far too. There's a good chemistry with this group. Uh, you know, one of the off-season themes for this team was BLRA, bringing that back. Because some of the guys that had, were on previous teams felt like that maybe went a little bit sideways last year. Do you feel like that's back? Uh, you know, where the locker room, the chemistry, I know you guys are still building and got a lot of goals in front of you, but just maybe the overall, you know, just chemistry and kind of getting along with everyone, do you feel like that's back with this group? Yeah, I feel I feel so because, like, this group we have right now, we love each other. Everyone is, like, willing to, like, sacrifice for each other. Just as I say, just losing yourself in this team and building the best locker room in America and, like, keeping your own personal agenda aside and bringing the team agenda. So I think a lot of... Um, dudes has by that you know I've been on this team like two years ago seeing that so I think seeing it right now the guys has done a better job with that you mentioned uh March in the last few minutes here with uh Gideon George you just feel like uh the, this team's best basketball is still ahead of them and uh to you, where you guys can make a run for the postseason. Yeah, totally. We still got a lot of ball games to play, and so we're just trying to take it a, get, a game at a time and um, don't get too ahead of, us, of ourselves and just keep on, like, keying into what the coaches teaches every day and preaches every day. Well, Gideon, best of luck, and uh, it's been a pleasure uh, covering your time here at BYU. I, I think back to... You know, when you had that visit here at the Gonzaga game, and I remember interviewing you after you committed to BYU, it's, it's amazing how fast time goes. But uh, uh, best of luck if we don't talk again here in the near future, and uh, wish nothing but the best, man. I uh, appreciate you guys for having me here. Thank you so much. Welcome back into Cougar Sports Saturday here on KSL News Radio. Shifting gears back to BYU basketball. Big thanks to Gideon George earlier for uh, joining me here on this game day to talk some Cougar hoops. It's been an up-and-down year for BYU basketball, Matt. BYU's had some great moments. They beat Creighton. They beat Utah. They looked like they were going to knock down Gonzaga, a Gonzaga team that actually lost on Thursday night at home. How crazy is that? Uh, This is the year to kind of have some craziness in the West Coast Conference, but whenever there's a little bit of an opening or you feel like BYU's surging, they'll have a setback, and they had that on Thursday night as the Cougars fall to Santa Clara, 83-76. to They'll set their, eye, their attention now to San Francisco, but that Santa Clara game, Matt, we got a hit on that. What went wrong for BYU on Thursday night? I think it was two things, Mitch. Number one, the turnovers was horrible. Now, they were better in the second half. They score 50 points in the second half, and they lose the game. And I think coupled with the turnovers, the three-point shooting, you just never know what you're going to get. Against Gonzaga, they they shoot over 50%, and they look great. And against Santa Clara in the first half, they can't take care of the ball. But when they do, they're making their threes. And then in the second half, 
they're taking care of the ball, but they can't make a lot of threes. They end up shooting sub 40% on the game. It's just they cannot get everything clicking on the same night. And when that happens, you can lose to teams like Santa Clara on the road. What was frightening, too, about Thursday's performance, the first 10 minutes sunk BYU. They gave up 24 points off turnovers. Uh, that first half, the 15 turnovers in the first 20 minutes, BYU was only down by eight, which is shocking, and Santa Clara had a last-second buzzer beater before the half, uh, a three, so it was down to five. Uh, but what's crazy about the turnovers in that first half, three from Spencer Johnson, three from Dallin Hall, it's pretty much everyone, Matt. It's it's the entire team is coughing up the basketball, and this late in the season to where you're now, what, 22 games in? That's inexcusable. And I know it's a new and young team, and, and all eyes are, are move really focused to the Big 12, but dang, Matt, I mean, I, I think this was a... a a team suddenly when Gonzaga's losing, they're you know close to the edge almost every night in this league this year. This was the year maybe to contend for a WCC title, and and they've blown that opportunity once again. It's really frustrating too because you've seen flashes with this team. Like mm-hmm. the way they put against Utah was great. They had a great performance against Creighton, as you mentioned. They almost beat Gonzaga. Like we've seen these highs. But there is no semblance of consistency. You do not know what you're going to get from night to night. And you are not. You don't know what you're going to get night to night from most of the players on the team. Like, Rudy Williams had a nice offensive game against Santa Clara. But you can't rely on him to give you 20 a night. Uh, and against Santa Clara, Foose was a no-show. And he wasn't even playing at the end of the game. So, I think it's very hard to be a good team. When night in and night out, you don't know what you're going to get. Like, that's just the great teams in college basketball and the great teams that BOU has had. Was there ever a game in Yoli's child's senior season where you didn't know if he was going to show up or Jim or Fredette? Like, you just can't have a good team when you don't have consistency. You can't. And Santa Clara, to their credit, they've been a little bit more consistent program as of late. A guy like Keyshawn Justice, who's been around for a while, he scores 23 Their top player, Podzimski, uh, an Illinois transfer, he poured in 17, and he was banged up. He missed last week's game. He was an impact player, shot 6 of 12 from the field. You know, BYU, uh, credit to them for fighting and staying resilient to make it close, but it almost felt like at game's end, when you saw the turnovers piling up again in the second half, it was kind of how the first half started, and it just was like it was all for naught, basically, and... Look, Santa Clara is a top 100 team, and BYU now has gone over 365 days without a win over a top 100 team. The last time they did it was at San Francisco last year. Maybe they can get it done today, uh, but it's it's going to be very difficult because, as you noted, Matt, I mean, it's just you don't know what to expect. I, I we could see a a 65% three-point shooting night tonight. That maybe that's unlikely. I don't. I, but I, I feel like at the same time you could also see. Foos be a no-show again. You could see Rudy Williams have eight turnovers. We don't know. I mean, it's just day in, day out, it's hard to forecast this team. And I just think this one stings a little bit more because the Zags created an opening. And you then squander that opportunity by dropping to four and three in the league. And you just assume the Zags won't lose three. And St. Mary's is a great team this year. It was just another missed chance to, to get in that WCC title race. Yep, it's another missed chance, but hey, they could right the ship against San Francisco. It's going to be a challenging game later today, Uh, so you just, 
you never know what you're going to get, which which can be frustrating when you lose to Santa Clara, but it could also be awesome when you beat Utah and Creighton. We'll have to see what happens. Got to take a break here. Hour number one in the books. On the other side, let's switch gears and talk some football. I think we're going to bring on Kyle Ireland. Talk about the NFL, uh, BYU's impact in the NFL. And, uh, yeah, we'll do that next here. It's Cougar Sports Saturday on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.